Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and tonight I want to talk about the Education Act 1944 introduced by Rab Butler who could be seen as perhaps the most radical and reformist uh, conservative minister of the 20th century. However, what we'll see as we go through looking at the Act is uh, the the limitations uh, that it actually placed uh, on the uh, post-war educational system and how it reinforced and replicated uh, the class system using uh, different types of um, education in order to reinforce uh, different social roles. Now tonight I'm working from um, Seton and Curran's Power Without Responsibility which is a a kind of critical history of Britain's press, but it's also um, a, a British social history uh, as well. Um, in it, they write, The needs of war radically altered education and broadcasting. The Education Act 1944, which introduced compulsory secondary education for all, has been seen by many as the finest achievement of a great reforming minister, R.A. Butler, who uh, based it on what he described uh, to his biographer, Ralph Harris, as a sensationally ingenious report. More recent assessments have been less enthusiastic. According to Brian Simon, through the late 1940s and 1950s, when so much might have been accomplished, the development of secondary education for all was restricted and distorted by the dead hand of a doctrine brought to a point during the depressed 1930s, the doctrine that in effect, secondary education is not for all. So what did the 1944 Education Act actually say? Well, it said that schools needed to be reorganised, and I quote, firstly to provide opportunities for a special cast of mind to manifest itself, indeed to develop specialised interests and aptitudes. 
The Act um, was the result of the Board of Education, which would now be the uh, Department for Education. Um, it wasn't really uh, the result of kind of a grassroots pressure for educational change. This was a top-down ministerial approach, and as we shall see, that top-down ministerial approach um, created certain gradations of education for certain social classes. In 1938, uh, the Spens report had said that it is becoming more and more evident that a simple liberal education for all is impractical. And the Spens edu uh, report in 1938 said, um, that there was a distinction between children who work with hands, work with tongue, or work with pen. And it suggested that one child differs from another far more than is generally supposed. Now, uh, speaking as a teacher, uh, the current uh, mode of uh, pedagogical thinking uh, flies in, in, the, in the face of this, uh, despite the kind of uh, fad for uh, neo-traditionalism in education that has uh, sweeped the UK since, interestingly, the year 2010, um, there is little evidence that there are uh, children who are uh, operate on sort of uh, kind of higher levels um, and are more suited to the the, the pen than the hand. Um, in fact, most of these distinctions seem to be artificially created, and that there are abundant aptitudes of all sorts of different natures inherent within children. But I, I don't want to kind of uh, digress too much because that's a different conversation. Um, the Norwood Report and the 1944 Education Act said that um, the, the differences uh, between children um, could be classed into um, uh, different groups of children, so that there were three different groupings, really. The child, and I quote, who is interested in learning for its own sake, who is interested in the causes and who can grasp an argument. He, and it was referring to he's particularly, is sensitive, he's interested in the relatedness of related things. He will have some capacity to enjoy from an aesthetic point of view. This was the child that was going to go to the grammar school. Um, the distinct feature of which lies in the intellectual ideal which it upholds. The category of school was to retain the values um, which had been intended for all schools before the war, and was to produce a new professional and managerial elite. So the point of the grammar schools after the war was to create this kind of uh, managerial class that would run things in a new and uncertain world, the world of uh, the post-war era, the Cold War, the Atomic Age, changes in the empire. It was going to need a, an educated class of what you would refer to in the civil service as generalists, people that, that enjoy knowledge for its own sake. And that would mean somebody who could be applied to um, the, the Board of Trade or the Foreign Office and would be equally adaptable in both. There is a second class of child described um, who, and I quote, often has the uncanny insight into the intricacies of mechanisms whereas the subtleties of language and construction are too delicate for him. To justify itself to his mind, knowledge must be capable of immediate application. 
So these were going to be the technicians of the future. These were going to be the scientists, the engineers. These were going to be the computer programmers and the chemists. And it's interesting that, these, that this sort of cast was seen as something rather inferior to the first child who um, is interested in the relatedness of related things and interested in learning for its own sake. Um, the one of the problems that is, is it could be argued has dogged post-war Britain is uh, is kind of here in this distinction in that the the classicist the generalist um, and the uh, managerial intellectual uh, as uh, kind of personified by the sort of the civil service uh, Mandarin. Um, or the, the kind of the, the, the political or the media class um, has really always outweighed uh, in terms of significance and importance the, uh, the engineer, the chemist, the biologist or uh, the computer scientist whereas it tends to be uh, that latter group that are far more crucial to uh, the development of, of the economy and economic productivity and economic growth. The third class of child would go to the secondary modern school. The third class of child was described as um, the child who may have much ability, but it will be in the realm of facts. He is interested in things as they are. He must have immediate return for his effort. Um, the secondary modern schools were to be separate uh, from the other, uh, from the grammar schools, um, supposedly equal, um, and they were meant to have parity of prestige. The, the there is a, a kind of a, an immensely kind of obfuscated language here, so I'll just go through that one again. That they they may have much ability, but it will be in the realm of facts. He's interested in things as they are. So he is, and again, apologies for the gendered language here, but this is how things were thought of in 1944. This child is a more simple thinker. He doesn't want to live in the realms of intellect. He doesn't want to live in the realms of scientific inquiry. He wants to know what's what. And particularly, um, the implication is, is wants to be told what's what. Um, and... This was going to be um, the, the, the bottom tier of the middle class and perhaps the top tier of the, of the working class. The purpose of um, the modern school was distinct. Um, the children would need um, education um, in order to uh, not, not only deal with the world of work but to understand the world of leisure as well. So, um, and I quote, this homely aspect of education is often the basis of future happiness and is as vitally necessary as it can be interesting. So um, girls would be told to bake and sew and boys would have woodwork classes. Uh, again, these things would be entirely gendered and being able to teach uh, working class children. And it was particularly thought of as being uh, the th thing for working class children how to deal with um, the workings of, of life itself how to 
deal with um, the uh, uh, tasks of of the home and the child rearing and uh, all that kind of thing um, was was important. The uh, the Norwood report on which the uh, Butler Act is based, uh, Seaton and Watson uh, quote uh, speak of it like this. It was implicit in the Norwood report and the Act that there were children who could think, children who could do, and then the rest. And there would be scope um, in this system for able children from uh, lower class backgrounds to go to grammar school and go to technical school. However, the uh, impediments placed in the way of able children from poorer backgrounds, um, the, the impediments that poverty itself creates, profoundly disadvantaged able children from reaching their potential. And it was far more likely that they would wind up in secondary modern schools and the system would favor. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style middle-class children and upper-class children who would be able to find their place in the, the school that um, was going to be the, the stepping stone to the, the future that their parents had probably enjoyed. Already by the 1940s, the ideas that uh, underpin the Act and underpin the Norwood Report were seen as being out of date. For example, the uh, educational psychologist Cyril Burt uh, said that um, he had, throughout the 1930s, already conducted research which showed that there weren't these kind of mythical separate mental types of the uh, cerebral intellectual child, uh, the, the little boy with a chemistry set, and then the kind of the lumpen proletariat down at the, uh, at the bottom. Uh, that this was these were social constructs 
not uh, inher- inherent um, biological um, or genetic uh, types. In fact, the evidence that Cyril Burt showed was that any individual who had above-average intelligence in one aspect um, would more than likely have above-average intelligence in all aspects of, of learning. Therefore, uh, it made a nonsense out of the idea of, of grammar schools and technical colleges and, and indeed secondary moderns, that potentially all children could cope and flourish and thrive in a grammar school environment if given the right level of support and, and, and help and development. Cyril Burt wrote, It's difficult to see how even administrative necessity can lead us to discern the indistinguishable and to find three types of mind when they do not exist. The irony, of course, as far as Burt was concerned, was that the selection process for dividing up children into these three tranches um, was going to use some of the methodologies that he himself had devised to test intelligence. One way to think about the Education Act 1944 and the channeling of um, children into three broad categories was that it was kind of a product of the war. This is exactly how um, men had been scientifically, and not just men in fact, women who'd served as well, um, had been scientifically, or supposedly scientifically, channelled into roles that fitted their their aptitudes. Uh, And men had been um, in the army uh, prioritised towards um, uh, officer posts or towards technical or specialist roles based on uh, their aptitudes and intelligence and, in the case of officers, university degrees. In the immediate post-war era, many of the principles used to uh, manage uh, labour and resources uh, and uh, time uh, that had been put to great effect to win the war were translated into peacetime and there were processes that were already pre-existing in order to um, bring about dramatic changes in education, in healthcare, in housing, and in other key areas um, of reconstruction. Two um, significant uh, army psychologists during the war wrote, the value of vocational or educational classification lies not merely uh, in the closer coordination of human capacity with job, but also with their uh, effects uh, on morale. Therefore, this meant that uh, workers were generally happier if they weren't uh, interfered with and didn't have to uh, associate themselves with uh, things far beyond uh, their capabilities. Um, or they uh, didn't, or they were happier if they weren't put into. Uh, roles which made them feel uncomfortable, i.e. Uh, managerial or uh, officer roles. And so this meant that uh, streaming um, workers into working class roles and uh, working class children into working class educational situations after the war would be uh, ultimately the kind of paternalist and benign thing to do don't essentially put a working class boy into grammar school 
uh, into circumstances that he can't deal with. That's not to say the working class boys didn't go to grammar school. There are significant numbers uh, that did, but they were outnumbered by their uh, middle class uh, classmates considerably. Technical education had also been a product of the war. Um, during the war, there was a greater increase in uh, chemistry and physics and the uh, developing um, interest from the 1950s onwards in things such as genetics and computer science. Uh, Cabinet Secretary Lord Maurice Hankey wrote uh, in 1941 that technical colleges, although ill-housed, ill-equipped and understaffed, had responded without hesitation to the needs of the services and industry and had magnificently reorganised themselves to train men and women for the war effort. And it was thought that the post-war world would be one where scientific advance would be what uh, Britain was based on, Britain's competitive advantage in the world and its strategic and military advantage, its ability to hold on to its empire and its ability to uh, sit at the top table with the Soviet Union uh, and the USA, which is increasingly uh, a fantasy, was going to be based around understanding of technology, um, atomic weapons, for example. So there was a perceived need for an army of technically uh, skilled workers who were able to uh, rise to the challenge of a new uh, atomic age. The only problem was that they rarely were built. Um, the technical schools um, didn't emerge in the numbers that were hoped for. Uh, they barely emerged in any numbers uh, at all. Um, there was little money after the Second World War, and during the war, the government had been quite able to um, direct uh, the allocation of the workforce and to tell um, men and women where they were going and what they were doing. In the post-war world, it was far more difficult to um, tell uh, people that they were and their children were going to be the scientists of Britain uh, in the future, and that they were designated really to uh, lead Britain's technological uh, revolution uh, during the Second World War, norm normal uh, kind of democratic and uh, civil uh, liberties are to somewhat curtailed. In the aftermath, these are immediately uh, resumed. However, it was generally hoped that uh, industry uh, would look for educated and technically educated school leavers. Um, and this uh, demand for educated school leavers would put pressure on government to uh, provide them, and it would also mean that um, industry would be the next phase of uh, these young people's technical education and industry and the state would work hand in hand to create generations of uh, scientifically skilled workers. And of course this was but fantasy, this doesn't occur. Um, employers wanted and continued to favour young men and women with um, general academic skills and it was one of the failings of the of British industry in the post-war era, with some notable exceptions, of course, but overall one of the failings of British industry 
to um, continue to innovate in the ways that, for example, Germany and Japan were forced to in the 1950s and 1960s. Rab Butler wrote in 1942 that education cannot by itself create the social structure of a country. I have to take the world as I find it, and the world I find is one in which there is a very diversified range of types. Educational progress must be along the grain of human nature. That said, the Education Act 1944 itself did try to mould human nature, um, unsuccessfully largely. It was uh, an act of largely of social engineering. Um, it wasn't really um, simply an acceptance of how young people are or how children are or how learning is uh, or an acceptance of, of the status quo. Um, and it was a significant change in how uh, the state viewed children and viewed uh, le- learning, knowledge and, and education. It was really a way of reformulating social class after the upheavals of the Second World War, really, or actually after the upheavals of the first half of the 20th century. And it represented a new recognition of class and a fragmentation of culture. Uh, Seton and Cohen write, The old liberal culture survived, but was confined to the curricula of the professionals in their grammar schools, while in the modern schools, children for whom exams were inappropriate were taught how to entertain themselves. It's for these reasons that British society has really fought um, a almost never-ending culture war over the issue of education since the Second World War, with the uh, the rise and the fall of grammar schools in the post-war era, and endless modern uh, moral panics uh, about uh, the secondary school uh, system. Um, all the way to the uh, era of academies and free schools um, that we live under now. Um, those are topics for another time, I guess. Okay, so I hope you've enjoyed this one and you found it useful. And if you're studying post-war Britain, I'm sure it will be, uh, hopefully anyway. Um, do swing by the Facebook page. We've got a lot of stuff going on there at the moment. Um, and I'm going to be putting some more content up uh, in the uh, very near future. We've got, if you... Go back and listen to the previous book review. There's still a copy of Babushka's War um, ready uh, up for grabs. So make sure you claim your copy of that and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thanks. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.